Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, and it is holy cow. Can I say that? Can I say holy cow? I'm going to say holy cow. It is such a treat to be here today. We have with us Dr. Joe Vitale. Doctor, how are you? I'm doing great. What are you talking about? Look where I'm at. I'm doing fantastic. I'm on your show. <laughs> it is such a treat to have you here today. For those, for those that are tuning in to Dr. Joe for the first time, um, I would politely almost be rude enough to say, crawl under, crawl out from under the rock. <laughs> but let me, let me do the honors. He's a prolific author of many best-selling books. Uh, when we say many, many look something like the last time I checked, it was 76 between now and the last time I checked, it probably increased. Um, he wrote books called like the attractive factor, um, zero limits. He's also written money, love speed. He's one of the world's most top motivational speakers. He's a popular star of the movie The Secret, if we remember that movie. And it's, uh, that is basically, he led him to becoming an internationally famous expert on the law of attraction and clearing beliefs. Can't wait to dive deeper into beliefs and attraction today. But also something that, uh, you know, the law of attraction, I feel, has copped some flack in terms of, you know, some people say there's not enough commentary on action. Dr. Joe's work is deeply embedded in, like, taking action behind that. He created the Miracles Coaching Program to help people achieve their dreams. Once homeless, he is today a model of prosperity who believes in miracles and has spent the last four decades, decades, learning to master the skills of channeling the pure creative energy of life without resistance. It is such a treat. There you go. <laughs> so let's, let's start there. You were once homeless in the 70s. And now yes. you're in this space where 
For me, I think the thing that inspires me the most on the Inspired Evolution is a big agenda that I have behind the podcast is having is supporting people becoming entrepreneurs slash creatives. And to me, they're actually the same thing. An entrepreneur just got creative about the way they make their money is kind of my tagline. So the creative, the creativity that you exude in terms of 76 books, um, maybe more now, and there's 15 albums, um, you've appeared in 15 movies, The Secret was an incredible movie. Tell us more about what creativity means to you and how you tapped into this. Well, it's a great question. And, you know, all I'm doing and all I've ever done is follow my passion, my Mm. passion. Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. It's another way of saying it. I've looked at my life and I said, what am I passionate about? And whatever I was passionate about, I went in that direction. And it's important to know that I went in that direction where there was no evidence, none, that I would be a success in that direction. I only went in that direction because my heart, my gut said, Joe, this is the road for you. Take it. Even when the light's not on to shine everything ahead of me, start walking. I wanted to be an author early on. And you're right. I've written more books than I can count (laughs) because I'm still writing books. In fact, my new book is called Money Loves Speed. It's not even out yet. It's not on Amazon or anything. You're getting an exclusive by me saying this is here. But stop for a minute. Why did I write this book? Hmm. I wrote this book because I had been homeless and I had been in poverty for 10 years. I had to work on myself. I had to find what the limiting beliefs were. I had to unravel the programming that I was born with. And because I got out of that, today I live the lifestyle of the rich and famous, and I get to do things like this, and I want to share it with other people. Hmm. So when I'm writing books, it's an extension of my passion, and it's part of my contribution. I think it's my life mission to make a difference in other people's lives. So I'm doing it through my books. You mentioned albums. I have 15 albums. I'm a singer-songwriter. Only within the last six years, I mean, when I turned 60, I said, well, what's on my bucket list? And I said, well, I've always wanted to record music. Joe, well, what, about the, what about the belief that you can't teach an old dog new tricks? <laughs> yeah, this is good. This is good. You're, you're exactly right. When I decided I wanted to be a singer-songwriter, every limiting belief came up. Like, I'm too old. I have no background in this. I did not come from a musical family. I didn't sing in the shower. I didn't sing at karaoke. I didn't sing in the car by myself. And so everything came up. Like, I can't learn this. I can't do this. Scared the bejesus out of me. And what I've learned to do, and this is what everybody has to do, is find the beliefs, just like the one you mentioned, question those beliefs and do whatever it takes to erase those beliefs. Because here's what happens, and this is where I get really excited. (laughs) When you collapse your beliefs, you accelerate your results. When I decided to be a musician, every roadblock in my head came up, but I had enough skills to know how to get rid of them. I did. In six years, I made 15 albums. Some of those albums are with band members who are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, whose career is music, and they don't have 15 albums. (laughs) They don't have it because they still have some beliefs. So this is a big takeaway. When you collapse the beliefs, you Mm. accelerate your path to the results that you want. It's exciting, man. That is really exciting. So one of the things that I just want to hone in on that a little bit, there's two ways that I could take this conversation. And quickly, I'm going to dive into one of the things that I have learned 
from you, which has been completely game changing, um, which I kind of had an understanding of, but the way you articulated it completely like helped it precipitate into a, uh, like a belief, which was the clearer you are, Yes. The faster you get results, which is basically yes. what you're saying. You collapse your yes. beliefs, you eradicate the roadblocks. Yes. This is so powerful. Yes, that is exactly true. And I, I had to find this out the hard way. I found it out in my own life because I was in poverty. I didn't know I was in poverty or I was homeless because of the beliefs in my head. Hmm. When I found those beliefs and I started to erase those beliefs, I changed. That's why in the book, Money, Love, Speed, I have things like the top 10 limiting beliefs. Since we're talking about beliefs, let's go ahead and just make this practical for people. Yeah. Right now, I can begin a belief and everybody listening or watch finish it. I don't have to finish the belief. Money is the root of all. Mm. Everybody is so evil. They just said evil. So let's stop and look at that. If people want money, and they should want money, they got to pay their bills. Mm -hmm. They got dreams. Money's a great facilitator to get your dreams to come true. Yep. Money is a useful, powerful source of good. It's an energy where you can make a difference in the world. So you might want money for all these positive reasons, but, but if in your unconscious you think it's bad or you think it's evil, you're going to block it. Mm. You're going to sabotage it. You're going to find it's really difficult to make money. And even more surprising, this is one of the things I love talking about. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And through it. Pete, I will often ask people, have you noticed that you do get money at the nick of time to pay your bill? At the nick of time, at the very last minute, five o'clock on Friday, you got to pay the phone bill and you don't know where the money's coming from. Suddenly you get the money. Why did it come at the nick of time and not sooner? Because you didn't want it. And when it came to you, you wanted to get rid of it. So you made sure unconsciously that the money came in at the last minute so you didn't have to touch it, you know, because that's evil. And then when you got it, you got rid of it. You paid your bill. And then you're broke again. This is an example of the kind of beliefs that are in the unconscious mind. That's where all the work is. When I say you have to get clear, you get clear of the subconscious clear of the unconscious, you get clear of the programming that's limiting us from having, doing, or being whatever it is, whether it's romance, it's health, it's finances, it's music, you name it. I love that. And so one of the questions I've got is, okay, so let's, let's ground that in even deeper, right? So you're struggling with homelessness at, at a certain point and you identify that it's your beliefs that are holding you back purely and solely. When, like, at what was, how did that sort of 
drop in, you know, because obviously I know that when we're in, like the fish doesn't know that it's swimming through water is kind of. Yes. yes. Well, you just painted it so beautifully. The fish doesn't know it's in the water. We don't know we're in a belief system because we look at it as our life. Mm. It just looks like reality to us. Yeah. It looks like reality. And so we don't stop to question that maybe this reality is a construct based subconsciously on the beliefs in our subconscious mind. So how did I do this? When I was in, when I was homeless, I was living out of the public library in Dallas, Texas, which on one level was great. I'm a book addict. There's books behind me. I'm a book freak. I love being in books. So being in the public library wasn't really a problem. Plus it was in Dallas and it was hot outside. It was air conditioned inside. So I'm reading, I'm reading all the self-help books as I'm reading rich and the magic of believing and how to win friends and influence people and all the great success literature over and over and over again. It talked about we are responsible and we are creating our reality. Mm. And a turning point book was the book, The Magic of Believing by Claude Bristol. It's still around, came out in the 1950s. And when he pointed out that your beliefs are creating reality and when you change your beliefs, you can get a different reality. I had to take a hard, cold, raw look in the mirror and Mm. say, did I create homelessness because of my beliefs? How that's mind blowing. How is that possible? And so I dug deeper and you got to remember, there's no coaching back then. You only have little league coaches back then. (laughs) You don't have personal development coaches and there's no internet. You know, the library, that's where you get the information. Yeah, and it's I, paper and highlighters and pens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I looked and I realized, uh, this was so startling to me, every single person listening has a prime directive belief that's operating in their life. They don't know what it is right now because they never really looked for it. In my mm. case, I had to look for mine. And I realized I was modeling my life after authors I admired who were self-destructive, alcohol, melancholy, and suicidal. Right. Jack London was one of my greatest inspirations. I still love the writings of Jack London, but Mm. my mistake was instead of modeling his writing style, I modeled his lifestyle. Very, very profound. He was dead by the age of 40. Yep. He was dead by the age of 40 and most likely some controversy, but most likely is a suicide. Hmm. So I woke up and I realized, wait a minute, I'm in homelessness and in poverty because a part of me thinks that's what I need to do to be an author, to be a writer. Hmm. When I paused and said, wait a minute. There's bound to be authors out there that are healthy, uh, mentally balanced. They're in great relationships. Uh, they're prolific. They're productive, and they're they're in well-being. When I looked for those authors and started to model them, I was changing my beliefs. Boom. So my operating belief was I had to suffer in order to be a success. Mm. Change that. You don't have to suffer anymore. Wow, there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. That's massive. And so from there, like, how does one then go about, like, is it just the awareness that creates the shift? Because a lot of the work I've done is with Eckhart Tolle, and he talks about how awareness, the shift is already precipitated because the awareness wouldn't have dropped in. Had the Like, the fish is out of the water now. It knows that there is a thing such as oxygen. If you drop it back in the water, it already has this realization of oxygen. Now it's kind of like still swimming in water, but it's aware that there is. Is that kind of what happened in that space now that you're aware that the beliefs are what holding you back? I'm a great believer in practicing awareness alone Mm. because I think, first of all, we're all here to awaken. 
We are here to awaken. What are we awakening to? Our inner divinity. We are all gods. We're not the God, but we are individually God. We have more power than we ever thought imaginable. But because we have these filters on us, when we look out into the world, we see lack and limitation. When people start to point out the reality of beliefs that are creating their situations, the awareness alone will pop it. The awareness alone can shift it. When I pointed out that the quote, money, um, uh, money is the root of all evil, a lot of people nodded their head and go, oh, that is there. I take it one step further, and I do it in the book as well, and where I say that quote, money is the root of all evil, is from a longer quote. The longer quote says, the love of money mm. is the root of all evil. Now we have a little bit of wiggle room here. Instead of thinking money itself is bad, because it's not, it's neutral, it's paper and coin, it's nothing. But the love of money could be the problem. And then I look at it and go, you know, all the wealthy people that I've met, including myself, we're not in love with money. We appreciate money. We leverage money. We use money. But we're not in love with money. Mm. So as I explained this, this awareness alone can shift the money perception for a lot of people who are watching right now. Mm. One of the originators of New Thought, his name was uh, Phineas Parker Quimby. And Phineas Parker Quimby said, the explanation is the cure. And I love it. The, the explanation, explanation is the cure. The explanation is the cure. And so as you and I talk, or as people listen to some of your other interviews, mm. they're going to get these ahas. Mm. And those ahas come when there's an awakening. Mm. And the awakening comes from awareness. Mm. So, yeah, I'm a great believer in let's share the information. Let's share the stories because the information and the stories pop the brain and people start to shift a little bit, and they realize, oh, maybe I just had a belief, and maybe it just left. Awareness alone is powerful. I love that. I love that. So I want to better understand a little bit, and this is just a personal, like, I'm just going to go there because it's been burning inside me to ask this. You know, when you were, like, what was it about, is it about your personal makeup that you believe that when you were struggling with homelessness, um, that you were like not consumed by it as much like you said in your heart you already kind of like you're carrying this you're still reading self-development books you're still tuning into success pardon me but you're homeless do you know what i mean like shouldn't survival and scarcity and where's my next meal coming from be the operating system so what is what's going on in there like is there something about you that was unique or do you think it's it's the situation or maybe homelessness is not what we perceive it to be. Can you tell us a little bit more about what's going on? Oh, those are great questions. That's going really deep and I love to go deep. (laughs) Well, first of all, we're all wired for survival. That's makeup for survival. In fact, new psychology says one of the reasons we pay attention to the bad things in the world, because we want to be aware and informed and threat to our survival. So it's all part of that hardwiring. So, yeah, I definitely wanted to know, where am I going to get a car? Where am I getting a hamburger? Where am I going to live? What am I going to do? But behind that, behind that, still wanting to survive, but behind that was this inner drive in me that said, I am here to write books. Somehow, some way, I'm going to be an author. And I knew that because I love books so much, uh, the answers to a whole lot of things in life are in books. People go out and relive problems when all they have to do is read biographies and other people have gone through what you might go through. You can learn from their mistakes and you can learn from their blood and you don't have to spill any. 
And so I had learned <laughs> early on, yeah, I definitely want to survive. I was definitely looking for work because I had manual labor and stuff like that that would get me a hamburger. But at the same time, I wanted more because I knew in my heart that I had a life mission. And mm. I might have been wrong. This is where I go back to the opening statements. Passion. Passion leads the way. I think for you, for me, and for every single person watching, there is a life mission, a calling that everybody has. It's yeah. not necessarily to be an author, not necessarily to be a speaker, not necessarily to have your show and inspire people through that. It could be to be the best plumber in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It could be to be the, the best parent on the neighborhood. And it could be to cure cancer. I don't know. But I believe in every single person, we're born with that. There have been a lot of successful people, including Oprah, when they were interviewed, they would say, yeah, I knew when I was a kid, this is what I was supposed to do. How did they know? Uh Uh How did they know? There was something in them, and I I challenge people. I say, when you are rawly, bluntly honest with yourself, Mm -hmm. you know. You know. You may not know how, but you know that there's something in you. And I had that, and that was saying, Joe, go read those self-improvement books. There's answers in them. And if I can improve myself, if I can get answers, then I can break free from being homeless, break free of poverty, live my life mission, and not worry about hamburgers or cars or anything like that afterwards. (laughs) I love that. One of your courses is called The New Awakening. And so from there, we're going into, like, I want to understand a little bit better in terms of, okay, what is the, like, you know, if we have this innate understanding and we are like, and I, I, I completely resonate with you in terms of that. I do believe everybody has this, you know, speaking for me is everything. I absolutely adore communicating ideas, connecting to people. It's, it just lights me up like nothing else. Um, and so in that, I know the clue, by the way, that's the clue. When you said it lights you up, that's what people want to look for. When they talk about something and I don't care if it's opening a bakery or making cupcakes, I don't care what it is. If they light up, when they talk about it, that's a clue to their calling right there. What do you think it is that's stopping people from tuning into their calling, their passions, their bliss, like their awakening? Let's just go there. Because then they have to take responsibility for it and they have to start taking action for it. And for most people, it's easier to go, hey, I don't know what my calling is, so I won't try. <laughs> yeah, I'll just go to my nine to five Monday through Friday job and I'll get my weekly paycheck. But inside, and this is where, you know, I I practice a kind of a tough love approach in my own coaching and mentoring, and I really get in people's faces only to be of the most help. And that's how I want to be with the people watching this. I want to get in their face and look and say, look, you know, you know, you're afraid to admit it to yourself. You're afraid to admit it to me, because as soon as you admit it, you either have to make excuses for not doing it or you have to stay, start taking action to make it happen. Mm. And both of those, you know, one's wimping out and one's kind of being afraid. Both, both of those are uncomfortable. Yep. But this is where the juice of life is. All of the great successes came outside of the comfort, not within the comfort zone. Mm. We all had to step out of the arena. I had to go into the studio to record 15 albums. I got to sit in front of the computer to write the books. They don't, I can visualize them all I want. But I can visualize my next book, but it's not getting written (laughs) until I take responsibility and say, I got to take action and go over there and do it. So I would say a lot of people just kind of, they deceive themselves. There's a lot of self-deception and self-sabotage 
I'm not blaming anybody. I've been there too. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, hey, it's time to awaken. That's what the new awakening course is about. That's what my work is about. I think that's what we're here for. I think we're here to awaken. So I think that's um, that you just touched on responsibility. And I think just to do my due diligence, one of the things that I was exposed to the Ho'oponopono prayer um, yeah. Oh, a few years ago, maybe five years ago, and it has been profound, um, just not least because of the people that carry the prayer. Um, it just sort of seems to be the people that are like sharing this this wisdom. Um, they all seem to be of a certain frequency. <laughs> Allah. <laughs> and, uh, and it's um and so it's it's meant a lot to me in terms of um just what its its power is. And I'm I'm gonna ask for you to share it rather than me share it. But one of the things that I didn't realize, um, which was until I started reading some more of your books in preparation for this podcast, was that actually it was designed in Hawaii by someone. Can you tell us more about the design of where the prayer comes from and what the prayer is? And in like the context of, yeah, let's, let's start there and then I'll ask the next question. Well, this is a big, big topic and it's one of the ones personal to me. In fact, I'm wearing a t-shirt that has the prayer on. <laughs> I noticed. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. It was all around this. You can't probably can't see the whole thing, <laughs> but I'm wearing it all the time, but I'm practicing it all the time. So I wrote about Ho'opono in two books, Zero Limits, and 10 years later, I wrote At Zero. Hmm. And Zero Limits tells the, the incredible story that I first thought couldn't even be true, but it hmm. is. I did the research and uh, documented the whole thing. A Therapist at an institution in Hawaii Hmm. helped heal an entire ward of mentally ill criminals by using Ho'oponopono. The way Ho'oponopono works is you don't work on other people. You don't try to clear other people. You clear yourself of your perceptions of other people or of your problems. Ho'oponopono is an ancient Hawaiian spiritual technique that was modernized probably in the 1970s by a woman who was enlightened. Mm -hmm. And Morna said, Ho'oponopono is an inside job. You do it as a separate person. Whenever there's a problem going on in your life, and it can be anything, a health problem, finances problem, problems with other people, problems at work, it doesn't matter. The problem isn't outside of you. The problem is inside of you. It is your perception. What Ho'oponopono does, you say these four phrases. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. You say them inside yourself. You say them to your connection to what I'll call the divine. Some people will call it the universe. Some people will call it God. I sometimes just say it's the great Joseph Campbell called it the great mystery. Mm. So there's a hundred names for it, but we know that there's some sort of higher power or nature or, or energy field, the field of all possibilities, I think mm. uh, Deepak Chopra calls it. And you can tap into that. You're saying, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, as you're holding this feeling of a problem and you're doing this as a kind of a prayer to the great something. Mm. And what you're basically doing is saying, I'm sorry for what beliefs are in me. Please forgive me for what I or my ancestors might have said or done to have created this situation. Thank you for erasing the beliefs, erasing the programming, and I love you for bringing all of this back to clarity and wholesome and for my life. That's This is it in a nutshell, but I'm telling you, I have heard the most amazing stories over the last 15 years. Mm. They're all documented in 
books, uh, Zero Limits and At Zero. They're online. As you pointed out, there's lots of people who practice it. There's music based on it. Um, I, I could go on and on with the power of it. We're talking about clearing beliefs here, and Ho'oponopono is one of the tools I use to clear beliefs in me. So just read your father and died and other things that were changes in my life. What I did was go inside to say, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you to erase the negative limiting beliefs so I can regain peace. So I can regain peace. It's magical. I never feel like I do it justice when I describe it because I have to give this <laughs> miraculous tool, you know? Wow. So that was just the tip of the iceberg. I think the key Absolutely. in there, Joe, that really, really gets me is the fact that, and I think we, like, I just want to highlight this because I don't think this gets highlighted enough about it, is we're talking about responsibility and we're touching on beliefs. But the reality is that this gentleman, and this is what I learned from your documentation of his work, was he wasn't asking them to go in and look at the prayer and right. and conduct, right. the, conduct right. themselves, right? He is doing it on yes. himself. Yes. yes. Right? That is, thank you for pointing that out, because I think one of the number one mistakes people make when they start using Ho'oponopono is they want to teach people, or they'll hear somebody come up to them and they'll say, I have a problem, and they will say, hey, say, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. That's not Ho'oponopono. Ho'oponopono is 100% responsibility for everything that is in your life experience. So if somebody walks up to you and says they have a problem, you clean on it. Them. You clean on it. They came into your life experience, and so they are now part of your projection. They're part of the mental projection coming from your belief system. If you want to help them change their problem, you don't go and change them. You look at yourself, and you, you ask yourself, what is going on in me that might be creating that situation? And then you're saying, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you to the divine as a petition to correct it. When Dr. Hulen, who was the therapist, was in that mental institution, he did not go to those inmates and say, hey, you need to say these four prayers or these four lines in the prayer. Instead, he noted how he felt when he looked at their records or saw them. And if he felt repulsed or he felt disappointed or he felt grief, whatever he felt, he cleaned on his grief. He cleaned on his feelings. He did Ho'oponopono on himself. Here's the punchline. Because everything is a projection from that individual, as he cleaned himself, the patients got better. He didn't work directly on them. He worked directly on himself. This is the turning point that he needs to get their head around. When we talk about 100% responsibility in the old days, including me, I would just think that, well, that means whatever I say or do, I'm responsible for. In Ho'oponopono, it means whatever anybody says or does that's in your awareness, you are responsible for. <laughs> Big shift. <laughs> <laughs> Leap in responsibility. And that's and that was kind of the, the, the reason I'm just, yeah, like for me, that was 
It was huge, you know, and I'll be completely transparent. One of the thought experiments I often run with myself, and some people are disturbed by this, but it, it does help me. It grounds me in many ways is I'm not actually 100% sure that I'm here having a conversation with the great Dr. Joe Vitale, right? In many instances, I may be actually staring in front of a mental, I may be in a mental ward staring at a white wall, having a conversation with myself, projecting this reality. Now, some people find that disturbing, but the reality is that you've uh, alluded to this before, is that uh, we basically are walking around. Um, life is an optical illusion generated by our beliefs is kind of yes. how you said it. And yes. I totally resonate with that. But it's also, it seems so slippery. It seems so slippery. And I think that is probably where, for me, I surrender to the great mystery and the great spirit because it's like this is beyond what the mind can take in. Right. It is beyond what the mind can take in. So let's back up a little bit. I love that you use that quote because I've used that a lot. I'm proud of it. Life is an optical illusion. Life is an optical illusion. So what does that mean? What you're seeing is based on your belief filters. When I was homeless, and I remember really struggling when I was in poverty, I looked out into the world and I saw lack and limitation. And I swear to God, it was real. And I can find evidence. I can cut out newspaper clippings. I can I can get the, the Census Bureau to say unemployment is outrageous. I yeah. can find the evidence to support my beliefs. Today, I think the opposite. Today, I think we live in a world of unbounded abundance. I mean, my God, it's an auspicious time. And there's so many opportunities, so many activity, so many things that are happening and that are going to happen. And the riches are all around us. There's trillions of dollars circulating in the air, not even planted in banks and stuff. It's just circulating. And so I look out and I can find evidence for it. I can get you the books. I can get you the documentation. I can find all of it. So here's the punchline. You can find evidence for whatever you believe. When you come to the point where you can choose what you want to believe, you're now at a point of power and you can enrich yourself by choosing to believe something more powerful or more positive for you. Hmm. Until a moment like this, most of us are choosing beliefs unconsciously. It's based on how we grew up. When my parents were raising me and my brothers and sister, you know, they came from the Great Depression. My father was born in 1925, so he was five years old when the Great Depression in America hit. And he lived with the mindset of scarcity until his last breath when he was 93 years old. Hmm. I remember as a kid, he told me, he says, you know the best way to double your money? Fold it over and put it back in your pocket. (laughs) On on one level, it's like, well, that's very smart and that's very funny. Later on, when I awoke, I realized, what a limiting belief. I now say things like, in the new book, I say things like, one of the best ways to double your money is give it away. Mm. Give it away. You know, You're giving away all the secrets, Joe. <laughs> all of this kind of stuff. So life is an optical illusion. And what people are getting right now, and this is really, I almost want to theatrically pause after I say this so everybody can let it sink in. Let's do it. What people are, what people are getting right now is an exact match to their subconscious beliefs. Now, when they pause and they begin to wonder, well, what could my beliefs be? You can start to write those beliefs down, whatever comes to mind. And it could be like my father saying, double your money, put it, fold it over, put it back in your pocket. Write all those beliefs down. 
Now you can look at them with a little bit of objectivity and a little bit of detachment. And you can ask yourself, do I really believe that? Do I want to continue to believe that? And you can start to dismantle and unwire the software in your mind. Then you can create new software. And in many ways, I'm going to tell you the truth here. In many ways, I think once you remove the beliefs, you don't have to install new beliefs. There is an abundance mindset just waiting. Yeah. Arnold Patton is one of my favorite authors. He's almost 90 years old now. Uh, he said a couple of things that are really profound, but and one of them is the sole purpose of money is to express appreciation. I love that quote. <laughs> oh, so isn't it great? I actually opened my, my new book with it because it's so good. The I was introduced to it by you. I mean, yeah, it's gold. The sole purpose of money is to express appreciation. And another thing Arnold Patton said was, we don't create abundance. We create limitation. Stop and think. We don't create abundance. Abundance is already there. We create limitation, which means we put the filters up so we don't see the abundance. Wow. Take the filters away. There's the abundance. Wow. I love that. The thing that's really percolating for me in and around that is again, collapsing our, erasing our, collapsing our beliefs to eradicate the roadblocks, you know, coming back to that, that point, but also this idea that the innate nature and why would it not be when we look at nature, it is abundant. It is creative. That is the natural order of things that we're exposed to. And it, yeah. So sitting with that, I think what really comes up for me is the trust, the trust in the abundance. How do we learn to then trust? And this is a conversation I was really hoping to have with you today is also for me, trust and surrender are actually two sides of the same coin. Um, But surrender has been a a big shift for me in the last 12 months. Um, Just probably because if I can just give it some context, I guess for me, I've just gone from being 30 to 31. I've just grown out of my adolescence and I'm growing from a point where yes, goals, ambitions, entrepreneurialism, let's go to the point where whoa, hang a sec. I've been focused on like this wedge of 5% of my life, but 95% of life has actually been carrying me towards where I'm going. What is actually going on here? And it's just like, wow. And exactly what you're alluding to that perhaps surrender is the way. And I've been, it's been in a carrying intention for me uh, for the last year now um, to learn to surrender. But there's this surrender and trust. And when you allude to the fact that our innate nature or the innate fabric of it all is abundant. How do we learn to trust? How do we surrender to this? Practice makes perfect. (laughs) I I love it. It's in the doing. Take action. Yes. It is in the doing. It is in the doing. You know, you start to trust your gut feelings a little bit and act on them. I still remember in the early days, and this is 40, 50 years ago, and hearing about intuition, hearing about surrender, hearing about trusting and going, man, I don't know. Because I yeah. really felt like I can, I can outsmart it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I can take my way through it. Yeah. And when I found out that thinking was what got me homeless, thinking mm-hmm. is what got me into poverty, when I started to play with the other side, like, there's nothing wrong with thinking, but let's bring in intuition, let's bring in the gut instinct, and let's balance both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned my new course called The New Awakening. In it, I talk about stages of consciousness and, and this will help shed light on your question. Perfect. I say there's four stages of consciousness. 
Mm-hmm. The very first that we're born into is victimhood. Mm-hmm. And it's barely a state of consciousness because we're really unconscious. And that's where I and everybody else, we just kind of bounce off of life and we're reacting to circumstances. We're driven by our unconscious beliefs. We blame everybody else. We don't take responsibility. We don't know how to create, but we keep trying to the best of our ability. And life mm-hmm. is pretty much like Henry David Thoreau said, a life of quiet desperation. Mm-hmm. That's victimhood. If you're lucky... You watch a show like this, or you had mentioned the movie The Secret, you see the movie The Secret, or you read a book by me or one of the success authors out there, and you have a a little awakening. Hmm. And the awakening says you don't have to be a victim. The second stage of consciousness is empowerment. In empowerment, you learn about the power of intention visualization, affirmation, taking action, all of those great things uh, uh, poster boards and vision boards and meditation and hypnosis and all these wonderful tools and life becomes pretty thrilling because you feel like, wow, I just have to intend it and I can do it. And I hate I it. I, yeah. Yeah. You Exciting. It. So empowerment is great. When you leave victimhood and you go into empowerment, you feel like Superman or Superman. <laughs> that's only the second stage. Mm-hmm. At some point in life, life hits you with something. It could be an illness. It could be like I mentioned, my parents had died. My father had died going through wars. There's some big things that in my life have shown up. And usually something shows up and you start to realize you're not in control. Mm. You're not in control. You have more control than you ever thought. You're empowered, but you're not the master of the universe. Mm. The universe is actually the master. And this is where you move into the third stage, which is surrender. Now, surrender, there's two kinds of surrender. There's a surrender where you just give up and you roll over and play dead because you go, well, I can't win. Oh, no. The other surrender is when you surrender your ego, if you will, mm. to join forces with the great something. When you join forces with the something, you actually have more power than ever before. I actually love the statement you just made about up to the age of 30, you know, you're really working and the 5% of you is working on all this. And suddenly you realize, wait a minute, 95% of me was taken care of by somebody or something else. That's the force that we want to surrender to. Hmm. People sometimes ask me what spirituality is. And I'll say, look, it's the intelligent, invisible force that's animating your life. Mm. It's an intelligent, invisible force. Most of us are so much into our heads, we never feel it. We don't pause long enough to take a taste of it. This is why I think meditation is so important. Mm. Gratitude is so important. Making time for silence is so important. So you can hear the invisible voice of that intelligence. And that voice is what will start to prompt you. It'll say, go get a book or go attend a seminar or open a business. It'll tell you something. But that is what you surrender to. You're surrendering to that whisper. It comes from that intelligent, invisible force that's actually animating your life. And that's the third stage of awakening. And the fourth? Fourth is awakening itself. That's when you are enlightened, and that only comes by grace. I've had people say, well, how do I make myself awakened? How do I become enlightened? And that's the ego wanting to remove the ego. Ah, there you are again. (laughs) (laughs) You can prepare for an awakening. Mm. You can do it with Ho'oponopono. You can do it with any sort of meditation. 
taking time to reconnect to that invisible force with nature and so forth. But you can't make it happen. There isn't a switch you go over and just pull it, and suddenly you're awakened. It comes by grace, as far as my research shows. And you can have Satori experiences where you peek at it, Mm -hmm. and the window kind of opens up, and you go, oh, you just felt the miracle of life. Mm -hmm. You just had a moment of enlightenment. And at some point, if you're lucky, the window opens, and you are forever the awakened one. And the divine lives and breathes and speaks through you. Mm. Wow. Deeper levels of surrender. So I'm I'm glad that thank you so much for sharing that about surrender. I want to sort of sidestep into does surrender, does that kind of help you with your creativity? Like, would you consider the surrender being part of like when you're doing so many different things, Joe, so many different things, is that an act of surrender? And I kind of see it as, and I love the way that you alluded to two different types of surrender. There's the rollover dead. And basically what dropped in for me was active surrender, which definitely feels like what I'm participating in at the moment. It's like an active form of surrender. It's like learning to get out of my own way. Is that part of, yeah. on, On one level, all of us are surrendering all the time. We just don't realize it. We don't think of it in those terms. Give you a concrete example. Right now, you and I never met before. I did not know what you were going to ask me. I'm sure you didn't have everything planned out. You might have had your opening question, but from there, we're just going all over the place. I am surrendering to this moment. You are surrendering to this moment because you don't have any idea what I'm going to say. <laughs> you didn't know from the moment we said hello to each other and you said, okay, we're recording now, we're live. It's like, you don't know and I don't know. We're surrendering to this moment. Mm-hmm. So we're already trusting and everybody is doing that. When they have a dialogue over coffee with somebody else, they're not sitting there reading a script. Mm-hmm. Their minds to converse with each other. Now you asked me about music and books and all the courses I create. Every single one of them has come from an act of surrender. My book, Zero Limits, I wrote that book in two weeks. I wrote it in two weeks because it really felt like it was just being downloaded to me, and all I was was a stenographer. I just had to type fast enough to keep that material coming. And at the end of two weeks, I gave it to Dr. Hu Len, who's the co-author on the book, and he said, perfect the way it is. <laughs> I had gone, there's one album. I remember I recorded several albums and I told my producer, I said, I think I'm out of songs. I don't, I don't have anything else stirring in me. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I think there's more in you. Let's just make an intention that by Christmas of that year, you'll come up with 10 more songs. And I agreed to the challenge and the intention. But between you and me, I had zero. I had nothing. <laughs> nothing. The next morning, I woke up and there was a song. And by that Christmas, I had 10 songs <laughs> called Sun Will Rise. And that ended up being one of my favorite albums, All Surrender. Earlier today, I was working with a client, and she asked me to write the foreword to her book. Mm-hmm. I agreed to it. After we got off the call, I looked at my, I opened a Word document. I'm looking at a white page here, you know, nothing on it. And I'm like, I don't have a thing to say. I don't know what to do. And then I thought, just surrender. I started typing. 20 minutes later, her forward is done. Yeah. Wow. It takes a lot of trust to, to to drop into that process, but it's it's so eloquent and it's such so much grace in that. I'm, thank it's you so much for sharing. It's our second guessing. It's our doubting, our second guessing, and and rumbling rumbling beliefs like it needs to be perfect. There is no such thing as perfection. I don't care who comes out with what. 
I don't care if it's the latest Harry Potter book. There will be somebody who will find a, a reason to criticize it. There will never be anything perfect. And when we let go of that, it frees us to surrender so that we can allow whatever's coming in to come in. It's when we sit in judgment of what's coming in and we go, oh, that's not good. Or what are people going to think? Or that should be written differently. Or that should be a different musical note. Or I'm not good enough. All of that blocks the flow and blocks the surrender and blocks the creativity. So we want to be clear of those limiting beliefs so that we can trust what's coming. I love that. And we're back at the beliefs and we're also back at clearing as much of it as we can in order to be able to create. So the show is called The Inspired Evolution. And I have heard you say that intention is for wimps. <laughs> and that inspiration is the way. So I uh, I love that. <laughs> because, yeah, inspired evolution, it's all about being inspired to evolve. Um, and, yeah, tell us more about you know, like, cause intentions definitely guide us and I love them. And so tell us more about what intentions mean to you and what inspiration means to you. Yeah, that's a great question. And yeah, I, I have gotten on stages and said, yeah, intentions are for wimps, people. <laughs> we, we need to go beyond it. And yet, as I say that, like you, I still love intentions. I think intentions are very powerful. Yeah. I set an intention before getting on this call. <clears throat> I, I had made the, uh, intention to the universe that I wanted to be inspiring and I wanted to be useful, useful to you and your audience and to be clear and present. So I stated an intention and then I let it go. Why did I state an intention? Intentions help align your body and mind to go in a particular direction. Mm -hmm. It's like setting up a little target up there saying, I want to go there. And so an intention is a way to direct energies rather than just kind of reacting and bouncing off life, you can go and say, this is what I would like to have, do or be. And you can go in that direction. But as I've gone through life, I have found that there's something better than that. And that's an inspiration. See, intentions come from the ego. Intentions are stated based on what we've experienced before or what we've heard about. So it's coming from our old data bank. When we think about an intention, we're thinking about what's possible based on my data bank of what's possible. But an inspiration comes from outside of you into you. And inspiration can surprise you and dazzle you because it can be so shockingly different, so shockingly wonderful that it breaks all of the old patterns and all the old history and you can never have even gotten an intention from it because it wasn't in your brain. It descended to you. And so I prefer inspirations. And if anything, I tell people, look, when you get inspired to write a book or open your business or whatever it happens to be, make the inspiration your intention. Mm. Your new intention is I'm following my inspiration to, in your case, run this show and make a big difference with all these people watching you. Mm. And in my case, I want to continue writing books. I, I love writing books. I am a bookaholic. I just want to keep cranking these <laughs> Couldn't <out>. tell. <laughs> because I think it makes a difference in the world, and I think it's my life calling. But when it comes as an inspiration, I'll go, okay, that's and now it's my intention. Mm, I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. One of the big things that I guess I'm feeling just nearing the end of this episode, what's coming up for me is just the, the, the purity of clarity, right? So we've talked about beliefs, we've talked about responsibility, and we've talked about inspiration. 
in order to just basically clear the the vessel, the channel, the, the person, the individual that we are. I think that's the one, the big one that's dropping in for me, the clarity. And you've mentioned this in the past and I didn't realize it was part of my process. I've been meditating for God knows <laughs> again, like the number of books you've written. I, I, yeah, a long time now. And, um, one of the things that you alluded to in terms of, and I didn't realize that meditation was doing this, um, but I did have an awareness that it was happening, but I didn't really think of it as like a, how do I call it? A, uh, like an, like a, like a byproduct or a system that was in effect in the background. And so let me get to it. It's basically that when you're in silence and you're taking some time to clear yourself, you're actually making way to hear a voice. You're making way for things to come through. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. This is why I think people need to meditate, uh, have gratitude time, silent time. And what you're doing there is taking the phone off the hook so you don't get calls. You're putting your phone down, you're putting your computers down, and you're tuning within. I really believe that the great something is trying to talk to each of us. It doesn't yell at us. It whispers. And so we have to be quiet enough to hear the whisper, to get Mm. the feeling, that subtle felt sense that usually comes somewhere in the midsection of the body, not usually up here, but somewhere down in the heart, the chakras, the the lower Tai Chi kind of center of our body. And what we want to do is make time for that. One of my favorite things to do, and I've done it for so many years, is I will get in the hot tub at night. I'll be outside in Texas under the stars, and I'll, I'll be saying thank you, thank you, thank you, because I'm practicing gratitude. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not interrupted. I have no technology with me. There's nobody going to interrupt me. At most, I'll have a cigar, and I'm blowing signals to God, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm making time to listen. I'm making time to receive. Maybe that's even a better way to put it. I may, I'm creating an opening to receive. I think that's mm-hmm. probably the accurate way to put it. I'm creating an opening to receive because in that opening, there have been moments when I've been blown away. I would get an idea for whether it's songs or books or courses. I have so much material all over the internet. All of this has come, just descended. This come from gifts. One of the reasons I called the book Money Loves Speed is because in the movie The Secret, I said the universe loves speed. And what that means is these ideas that come to you, that come to me, come to me in the hot tub, they're gifts. They're gifts. I didn't ask for them. I didn't pay for them. When I got quiet enough to receive the gift, I then knew it was up to me to create it. And the universe wants me to take action. You talked about action early on. Nothing happens until somebody moves. Mm. You've got to take action to co-create. And that's the other key word. We're co-creating reality. You're not asking the universe to deliver everything without you doing anything about it. You co-create it. So when I make time to receive an idea and the idea comes, I realize that is a gift and that I know the universe wants me to bring it into being and it would like me to do it quickly. Money likes speed. The universe likes speed. And I take action to bring it into being. Bottom line is I think everybody every day should be making time to receive inspiration. Make the space of availability. 
I love that. And I just want to use that as a, as a quick segue because I've had, I've mentioned this in my coaching before and it hasn't really had the, the window of uh, the context around what we've actually just been speaking about. But one thing that I often say for people is, you know, the minute inspiration hits, if you have an inspiration, simply taking a pen and putting it to paper, you've already, you've already taken action and you actually affirm to whatever that greater mystery is that you call it the universe. We couldn't call it God. that actually I'm listening and I can actually take the inspiration from the ether and put it into the manifest. So pen and paper is so simple, but you're affirming that, yes, I'm listening on one hand, but also that, yes, I'm an action taker. So sometimes even just writing out a to-do list, even just writing your inspirations on a piece of paper, journaling, gratitude, it's an amazing process. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I totally agree. And I want to add one thing. Yeah. When an idea comes to somebody, I keep pointing out it's a gift. So you want to acknowledge the gift. And one way mm. to acknowledge it is you're saying right now, put it in writing. That way mm. you're saying, thank you. You're making it concrete. You can also refer back to it. But here's the other thing. And it's one of the secrets to my productivity. And I want to give it to everybody. So they realize with awareness that they can do this too. When an idea comes, you're usually pretty excited. Uh-huh. You're usually pretty enthused. It's like, oh, that's a great idea. And suddenly you got a flood of energy that's hitting you and going through your system. Take action and use that energy to manifest the idea. <laughs> Most people say, I'll do it later. And if they ever do do it later, the energy that came with the idea is no longer there. Right. It's just a good idea. But the idea with the energy is thrilling and an adrenaline rush. You can use that energy to propel you into creating the idea very quickly. That's a little inside tip. That's such a great hack. It's so simple. It makes so much sense. But, you know, like the best wisdom always is simple. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think that alludes to one of the things that I really wanted to make sure we captured in today's episode is I've heard you say you've got the belief system, which, you know, and I think it'll be useful because we've talked a lot about clearing, about some extreme, extreme, extreme responsibility about removing your beliefs that do not serve you. But then, you know, we can still feel like, man, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of work to do. There's a, there's, this inner work stuff is big. It's heavy. I've got to learn to surrender now. But one of the beliefs that, you know, I, I have willingly installed from, from yourself is that there is always a way. Yes. Yes. I wrote a book called Anything is Possible a couple of years ago. I had taken strongman training and strongman training is where you bend horseshoes with your bare hands and you bend bars. And you You're meant to be writing books and recording albums and featuring movies and you're bending horseshoes. Well, I got excited. You know, I got passionate about it. And I knew some of the famous strongmen in history who had been on the front. And I, love and I realized when I was doing this that a lot of what we, we, we don't do is because we don't think it's possible. And so the new belief is anything is possible, anything. There is always a way is a sub-belief to that. If anything is possible, but just sit there and go, well, I don't know how to do it. There's always a way. If you do the research, you'll probably find somebody else has done it. So there's probably a way from there. But if you stay with it and state the intentions and make yourself available to inspiration, you can create a way. Mm. There is always a way. Anything is possible. Mm. I don't think there's any limits. I think the only limits we have are the constructs we have up here. 
I don't even care what science says. Science changes its mind all the time. And scientists <laughs> over here and say, well, that vetoes that study. Somebody does another study. They're still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I think we're in a belief-driven universe. Change your beliefs, you get a different universe. Man, there definitely is a way. And I'm truly, truly grateful for being on this path for uh, being walked into having this conversation with you here today. And uh, Dr. Joe, I, I just want to thank you for your time, your energy, your presence here today, but always, you know, it's a, it's a life's walk. So I just want to thank you for all the time and energy and all the love and cultivation you put into offering everything that you do with the world and all that, that informs this conversation here today. And as always, obviously wishing you the best for the future. Um, thank you. For those, that wanna, oh, for those that want to tune in, <laughs> for those that want to tune into you, what's the best place to connect with, with you? Um, well, I have, you mentioned the new awakening. So I have a new website going up right now uh-huh. with the latest product on it. And I would invite people to go check it out. And I wrote it down to make sure I had it right for you. It's zero limits, new awakening.com. Beautiful. So www.zerolimitsnewawakening.com. Dot yep. com. And there's an exciting program. And if you don't mind me plugging my book, Not it'll be on Amazon by the time this starts. So <laughs> money loves speed. I'll be able to find it there. From stress to success, revealing the eight laws of attracting money fast. I love that. And so the last question I have of every guest that's on, and it's a real existential question in its nature, beyond the name, beyond the books, beyond, I guess, uh, the art that you create and all the, all the things that are there, who is Joe? <laughs> uh, who is Joe? I am a spiritual being having the most adventurous, miraculous, exhilarating, unpredictable, exhaustively full life that any person could have in material form. (laughs) Boom. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Oh, Dr. Joe, that was amazing. Wow. Oh, thank you so much for such an incredible, oh. Wow. We covered more than ground in that. Jeez. Wow. There was a lot. Excellent. Thanks, Jim. Have a great one. All right. Bye-bye. Hey tribe, thanks for tuning in to another fun, enlightening episode of the Inspired Evolution. I've been loving all the feedback and personal stories of love, uh, health and growth. Your feedback and stories are incredibly welcome. The easiest way to connect with me is via my website, which is www.amrit-sandu.com. You can leave me a message or a comment. It's one of my highest values to connect. So I love to connect and love to hear from you. You can also find me on Facebook, Amrit Sandu. And if the content has been resonating with you, you can help the inspired evolution out in a big way by liking the youtube channel subscribing to the inspired evolution or the facebook page like that please at the inspired evolution or by leaving a review on itunes if you're on an apple device and also if the inspired evolution episodes are inspiring an evolution within you or you can feel the inspiration is valuable for your team to evolve to the next level you can head on over to www.amrit-sandu.com to see how the inspired evolution can help you and your team thrive Much love, tribe. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.